The reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 35 to 59, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve, he will have them recline at the table, and he will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming he would not have left his, let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us, or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect and at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother in law against daughter in law, and daughter in law against mother in law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord.
The uh, passage tonight is about waiting and it's about being ready and all kinds of things like that. And it's something I'm sure we can all relate to. Now, I hate not being ready for something. I hate being late for anything, though I have to confess that the earlier in the day something starts, the more chance there is that I will be late. But I absolutely can't stand being late and would rather be half an hour early to something than even a minute too late. And one particular instance of this was my wedding day. It had been planned down to the finest detail and I'd made sure that everything was ready in time. And I promised Richard that I was not going to do the typical being fashionably late thing and I was going to be there dead on 12 o'clock. And, like I said, I don't do being late. It stresses me out a little bit if I am. So that morning I was ready. The bridesmaids were ready, the car had arrived, and we set off. And about halfway there, which wasn't very far, the driver pulled over, and I was horrified, (laughs) because he said, if we carry on, we're going to be early. And I was like, well, that's the plan, because I want to go in on time, do you know? That's what we're meant to be doing. But he set off again, and we got there, and we still had a few minutes to spare. But what I hadn't accounted for was the photographer. I was not impressed. And I certainly don't enjoy being, didn't enjoy being made to wait outside while people were still arriving and still finding somewhere to park and sit down. Because quite frankly, they should have been early as well. As far as I was concerned. You see, I don't do waiting all that well. And I don't do many people, not know many people who do. So I wonder, how do you feel about waiting? We wait for things all the time. We wait for buses, doctor's appointments, letters, traffic lights, all sorts of things. And you know what? These days, while we're waiting for things, we can often get on and do other things. The marvellous little inventions called smartphones mean that we're never more than a few clicks away from an email or a document or a text or whatever else we choose to do. We can fill our time that we're waiting with other stuff, be that something productive or something that's just for entertainment. And I won't stand here and moralise about how good or otherwise the use of our phones is because the fact is they're part of our lives now. We might have less room for imagination, but productivity might have increased somewhat. But the point is this, no one really waits anymore, do they? We just fill our time with other things. And sometimes, when we get caught up in life's distractions, we kind of forget that we're waiting for something. And we're all waiting. We're waiting for the day when Jesus will return. We don't know the day or the hour. It could be soon. It could be absolutely ages off, beyond our lifetimes. But whatever the case, we need to be ready. And that's what Jesus was telling us to do here. Verse 35, he said, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you're waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He might come in the middle of the day, the night or just before dawn 
But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. You see, before that in Luke, what we've been looking at for the past, well, this morning and last week, Jesus warned people about hypocrisy, then about being content and how to deal with worry. He spoke about the worry that people have that God might not provide for their future. And he told us how to deal with those things. Instead of worrying and coveting and stressing out about what the future holds, live with expectation that Jesus is coming soon and be ready for when he does. You see, he likens being prepared, being ready, to servants waiting for the master to return from a wedding. They've no idea when he'll return. Weddings in that day and in that area could go on for a week or more. Waiting for a master return definitely required patience. But the servant had to be ready regardless of the hour. They were to be watching and working. In fact, they had to be both working and watching and being prepared to do some more work when the master got back. They were to be working whilst they waited. They had to keep the house ready for the master. It had to be clean. There had to be food available. There had to be fresh water when they needed it. The lights had to be maintained. And whenever the master chose to return, more work would be required. And in that time, there were four watches during the night. The second watch began at nine o'clock, the third at midnight till three. And muck when most people are asleep. It wasn't normal to travel at night, but the point was that actually the master could return at any point, whether it was convenient or not. And Jesus paints a picture of a servant who's always ready, despite the time. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. It's that attitude of readiness to follow Jesus wherever he calls that is what is required. The King James Version, and perhaps the original version, says in that bit, gird up your loins. I wonder how many of you have used that phrase recently, or ever. We don't use it very often at all, but I think it's helpful to understand what that actually means in order for us to understand what's going on here. You see, back then, uh, men wore long garments down to their ankles. I'm sure they looked super cool, but the problem was that if they had to move quickly to do anything, it kind of got in the way. If they wanted to run or to work, or even if they had to go to war, whatever they needed to do quickly, then it would have uh, slowed them down. So they had to lift up the garments and secure them in place with a belt. And then when they'd done that, when they'd girded their loins, as it were, then they were ready to run or work or do whatever was required. And it's that stance of readiness that Jesus requires. When he comes, we need to be ready to do whatever he asks. And we don't know when Jesus will return. We've no idea. Absolutely nobody does. People have tried over the years to guess and been horribly wrong time and time again. We just don't know yet we're meant to be ready. And because we don't know... It means to be. It means that we need to be in a constant state of readiness. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to sit around and not do anything just in case Jesus returns. It actually means that we need to have a living faith and a relationship with him so that when, it does, when he does come back, we can be confident where we're going. We all know what it's like to be waiting for someone, don't we? 
Now, for example, if my sister was to come and visit me from Canada, I know for a fact I'd probably drive to the airport and meet her. I doubt very much that I'd get away with sitting at home with my feet up and letting her make her own way. You see, I'd be ready. When someone visits, we get excited. We don't just sit there and wait with our feet up, do we? Well, sometimes our waiting for Jesus is a bit like we're sitting with our feet up waiting for him to return. We fill our time with all sorts of things and we're not necessarily as ready as we could be. But we need an attitude of readiness with our clothes tucked in, ready for action. And then there's verse 37. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he will... He himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. A master who will tell a servant to sit and eat and who will wait upon them, that's hard to imagine, isn't it? But we know that Jesus is different. We know that Jesus turned most things upside down and challenged our way of doing and seeing things. So let's be ready when he returns. So ask yourself this, how would my life be different if Jesus was guaranteed to return soon. If you knew he was coming back tonight, what would you do differently? I guess we'd probably do less of what really doesn't matter and spend more time doing the things that do. And I guess a lot of us would be on our knees asking for forgiveness for the things that we could have done and should have done and would have done and all the rest of it. But Jesus goes on to say in verse 39, Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he wouldn't permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now that's a little bit of an obvious statement, isn't it? (laughs) I don't know if any of you have had the misfortune of being broken into, but I have. When I was a kid, we were broken into and the car got nicked at least once each every year. Until we got a dog, that is. (laughs) We had a retriever who thought he was a rockwaller and he sounded like one too, so problem solved. But there were a couple of occasions which me or my sister actually found someone either trying to break in or behind the front door. And I'll tell you what we didn't do was invite them in, make them a brew and tell them where the expensive stuff was. Because obviously <laughs> you wouldn't do that kind of thing. If we'd have known they were going to be there, I'm sure my parents would have never allowed it to happen. It kind of goes without saying. If someone knocked on your front door and told you they were going to break into your house that night, then you wouldn't sleep, would you? You'd be up, you'd be ready, you'd be waiting. You'd be vigilant. And it's that kind of thing that Jesus is on about. We need to be ready. So the question is, are we ready? And then there's the next part, uh, verses 41 to 48, where he's talking about what he would do when he returns and how the servants have to be faithful. He will reward those who are faithful. Those who aren't faithful, well, that's another matter. Those who know what the master wants and choose not to carry it out, well, he says they will be severely punished. And we read that a servant put in charge of other servants is responsible for caring for them. And if, when the master returns, he is working diligently, then he'll be promoted and he'll be rewarded for his work. If he's abusing his position over others, then he'll be punished. 
And if we're not ready, if we're not serving God as we should be, then we'll be punished too. And you know, as Christians, the things that we have are for God's glory. The time he's given to you, the talents he's given to you, it's all for his glory. And your reward will be in proportion to what he's given you. I'd like to point out, though, that we're called to be faithful. We're not necessarily called to be the best at something. We have to be the best we can be. But we're not even called to be brilliant. We're just a call to be faithful and do what we can do to the best of our abilities, each doing our own, thi- our own part, each playing our own part. Each one of us will have to account for what we've done with what we've been given. I wonder what we do differently if we really took seriously the fact that we've got to give an account to God for what we have or haven't done with what he's given to us. And I wonder what we do differently if we thought that day was soon. You see, if we live without that expectation of his return, then we lose, his fo- we lose our focus. Our focus should be on serving God and living the life he's called us to live as his disciples. It's easy to fill our time with other things whilst we're waiting. It's easy to lose track if we're not careful. But we need to plan for eternity, not just the here and now. And what we do and choose in the here and now influences that. So how do we do it? How do we live in a state of readiness? Well, it's about living according to what God's plan God wants of us according to his will and serving each other, serving him here on earth. How do we work for Christ and his kingdom? Well, we do that by serving others and sharing our faith. And it's those things that we should be doing as we wait for his return. And you know, as much as I'd like to end there, there's that really awkward next part of the passage. Uh, I'd love to skim over it and pretend it doesn't exist, but I can't now I've said that. (laughs) But verses 49 to the end, where it talks about where he says he's going to set the world on fire. And it talks about causing division amongst families. I'm sure when you first heard that, it was a little bit shocking. I know it was when I read it. And he shocked his disciples when he said that. Isn't Jesus meant to bring peace and nice things? Well, the fire he's on about probably wasn't literal. Fire in biblical times was associated with God's presence and his action in the world and in the lives of his people. God often manifested his presence with the use of fire like the burning bush. But of course, it's also the Holy Spirit. So God's fire both purifies and cleanses and enables. It inspires reverent fear and is God's word within us. And this coming of the kingdom of God would bring judgment where people would take seriously the action of their consequences, either for or against God. And it's in that light that Jesus states that even family loyalty will be challenged on the basis of whether people choose to accept Jesus or whether they choose to reject him. You see, when you're a Christian, it's your relationship with God that takes priority. The love of God compels us to choose who will be first in our lives. The place above anything else be that thing or relationship above God, anything that takes a place above God is a form of idolatry. And so the challenge for his disciples and the challenge for us is to look at who we put first. A true disciple should be willing to forget all other things for the sake of Jesus. So I guess when you put it that way, it's not quite as shocking. 
So the question that I will end with is, who do you put first in all that you do? Do you seek God's kingdom above all else? And are you ready? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that one day uh, Jesus will return. And we ask that you will help us to be ready for when that day comes. And until that day comes, whenever that may be, be it in the near future or in the long, long distant future, we ask that you will keep our minds on the things that matter and not on the things that don't. Amen.